0: Hello, and welcome to Chick Chat, the Baby Chick Podcast. I'm your host, Nina Spears, the Baby Chick, and today I'm chatting with Mary Love, a certified nurse midwife, family nurse practitioner, and the clinical director of Heart of Houston Birth and Wellness Center. Mary was in her early 20s when she felt the call to midwifery, and she set out on her own path to become a midwife, first attending workshops and assisting Pamela Hunt and the other midwives at the farm. She received a bachelor's degree in nursing science from Tennessee State University and her master's in nursing from Vanderbilt University. In addition to being a certified nurse midwife, Mary is also a family nurse practitioner with experience in pediatric primary, urgent, and emergency care. Mary believes in a person's right to make their own decisions regarding their health and well-being and believes how a baby is born, whether it be an unmedicated birth or one with all the bells and whistles, is not as important as the way the birth person internalizes the experience she believes that after giving birth a person should feel strong proud empowered and confident because this sets the tone for what comes after the long hard task of parenthood we couldn't agree more when not catching babies or thinking of ways to fix a particular problem mary enjoys cooking gardening sewing and folding laundry she is married and shares four wonderful children with her husband We knew that with Mary's years of experience in multiple settings, she would be a wonderful person to answer the common questions about midwives and shed some light on a topic we feel passionately about. We're delighted to have her here on the show. Let's welcome Mary Love. Hi, Mary. Welcome. Hi, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on. Oh my goodness. Mary, we're thrilled to have you. I haven't seen you in a while. Listeners, I've known Mary for years now. She is amazing. And we're just so lucky to have her on our podcast today because she's just a wealth of knowledge. So thank you for joining us. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Of course. Well, You guys, last week was National Midwifery Week, October 4th through October 10th, so I thought it would be super cool if we talked to an amazing midwife like Mary and have her answer some questions that are pretty typical when someone is learning about midwifery care. So Mary, I'd love for you to explain to our listeners what is a midwife? So
1: a midwife is the traditional care provider for mothers and infants, and that's a very broad term, obviously, but midwives are trained professionals. We have expertise and skills in supporting pregnant people and helping them maintain healthy pregnancies and have optimal birth outcomes and postpartum recoveries. We're also trained to care for healthy newborns through the first month of life as well. And midwives are kind of considered the experts in normal and low-risk pregnancy. We focus on the health and care of the whole person, as opposed to just kind of focusing on the physical aspects of pregnancy. Because as you know, having a baby affects way more than just your body and having a baby. It affects your relationships, it changes your role, it changes your finances, it changes you emotionally, it's spiritually everything, and so midwifery care kind of honors that whole the whole thing and really looks at, at at how how we can optimize the health in all of those areas.
0: I love that. That's such a great explanation of what a midwife is, and. I feel it kind of breaks my heart that here, at least in the United States, we've lost some of that Oh, how do I say this? Like, it's just, it's not the first type of care that most people seek when they are expecting. So I'm excited to dive more into this so that people can learn that this might be a good option for them if they are having a healthy pregnancy. So let's go to the like very beginning. Mary, can you tell us a little bit about the history of midwives?
1: Sure. So, well, you know, obviously, midwives have been around since as long as we've probably had babies in some form or another. Women were the traditional attendants at at birth. And then there would become sort of the expert or the the person that would be the go-to person to go to help a mother out. And actually, I mean, there's references to midwives in ancient texts and from Greece and Rome, and even in the Bible. So, so we're we're pretty well established. I think there is the phrase that midwives and prostitutes are the oldest professions, or something, <laughs>
0: in well, which makes sense, which yeah. kind of goes hand in hand, guess, <laughs> exactly. In <some> way.
1: <laughs> right. So, you know, midwifery really sort of changed. At kind of the end of the nineteenth century, the beginning of the twentieth century, of course with the with sort of the advent and of modern medicine, of course, that changed the way midwifery functioned as well too, because suddenly this having a baby that went from being you know just in the in the back of your house went into a kind of the medical world and it's really interesting because there was a big divide in the way midwives were perceived and seen between sort of the U.S. and the United States at this time and European countries. So in Europe, the medical establishment, I guess, sort of embraced the midwives. and, And so they really worked to work with the midwives. They created education programs. They created training programs. They created, built them into the system. And to this day, in in many of the, you know, most of the European countries and the ones that have all the great outcomes, midwives are still the main provider for maternal health and and for pediatric health as well, too. It was a little bit different in the U.S. And so what happened was, you know, there was really kind of a campaign against the midwives and the traditional midwives, that they were sort of deemed as filthy and ignorant. And in many ways they were because they didn't have the scientific knowledge. And the, the medical practice kind of kept that knowledge away from them and specifically tried to get rid of them. In many places, there were laws outlawing midwifery care. And what happened was there was kind of this big division. So families that could afford to go to the hospital would go to the hospital because of course, in the hospital, they had other things that really changed maternal outcomes, which were you know antibiotics and sterile technique and surgery and things like that, that, that are important in care. But it also did highlight the disparities. Of course, we talk a lot about health disparities even to this day, but there was kind of a second arm of that in the early 20th century in that the rural populations, that's where midwifery kind of set its seed and created the foundations for today. And one that you may People may have heard of Mary Breckenridge and the Frontier Nursing Service, and this took place in Appalachia, in very rural areas where there weren't physicians in other care, and they traveled on horseback and had impeccable record keeping, and they had, in these very poor communities, better outcomes than most of the hospitals and physicians had. And so that's actually the founding of the modern nurse midwives was there in rural Kentucky, Another interesting arm of midwifery early in kind of the 20th century were with our black midwives and the grandy midwives, as they're traditionally called, because as continues today, but there was so much race disparity and inequity and and, and poverty. And and even up until the 40s, 75% of black births in the Southeast United States were attended by what would be considered unlicensed or traditional midwives because- women had no other options but that doesn't mean they didn't get good care from these women i mean it's quite a it's quite an amazing thing there's some good books people could uh, could look up into and then the third arm of kind of midwifery in the us came in the in the 1960s and the 1970s when there was sort of a dawn of midwifery and going back to wanting to have a more natural approach to birth Prior to that, in the decades before that, women kind of would come into the hospital and they would be given medicine and they would have this kind of what they called twilight sleep where you would fall asleep and then you'd wake up and you'd have a baby. And it was so peaceful sometimes, except often they were, it was pretty horrendous because they were half conscious and would have terrible nightmares and they would have horrible things done to them. And they would, many of them were traumatized for decades because they didn't know what happened to them. And so there was this rebirth and and Ina Mae Gaskins and the group that that went to the found, kind of founded the farm in Tennessee, they started back with traditional midwifery and, and self-training and getting back to the heart of what birth was and addressing the whole person. And she published a book in 1977 called Spiritual Midwifery that's that still amazing to read to this day.
0: Yeah, it's a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. So, oh my gosh, that was an amazing, <laughs> that was an amazing no, no, that was perfect. That was like an amazing walkthrough of the history of midwifery care. And it saddens me to hear how the U.S. has not embraced this practice because it really is something that I mean, you learning how to catch a baby and do all these different things in multiple positions and I, it really is a true skill. And I just I feel like we could have worked together and, and created something so amazing and beautiful, but business had to get in the way, which is so sad.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly. I think we're starting to come. I really see that that we're, we're getting back to where we need to be in midwifery is. You know, we are so into evidence-based medicine and research and what does the data say? And the reality is that as we do more and more research and data into the way midwives have been practicing for so long, it's getting really hard to deny the results and the outcomes and how amazing midwifery care is. And that sometimes doing, doing less and addressing the whole person really impacts what happens afterwards, you know, how things turn out.
0: Absolutely. Okay. So can you explain to us the different types of midwives? Because I think you're right. When someone who is unfamiliar with midwifery, they just assume a lay person. And that's something I really want to clear up as someone who has had a home birth with a midwife and is pregnant again and seeing a midwife, <laughs> I really <laughs> want people to understand that it's not just a bum off the street who's coming to catch my baby. So let's talk about the different types of midwives. Yeah, this
1: is this is a very complicated question, mostly because in our great United States of America, we have 50 different states and territories and all of them get to make their own rules. And so that means they change from place to place. But there are three, we're gonna oversimplify a little bit because we can't even get into detail between one state to the other, the different nuances. But but there are three main categories of midwives that, that pretty much most would midwives fall into. And then there's kind of different, different, yeah, different nuances between state, between regulation and all that kind of stuff. So the first category we'll start with, these are what we call traditional or sometimes people call lay midwives and they are, there's a whole range, but usually they have training through apprenticeships or traditional midwifery programs They may or may not be licensed, and some of that is by choice of the midwife, and some of that may be because there just isn't an option for that in the state that they're in. Many of them are fantastically amazing, incredible midwives with sound education and sound experience. Some of them are not. <laughs> <laughs> and, and this is where there's the big caveat and the asterisk I put on that is because the term midwife is not a defined term. So if you said, I am a physician, I'm a medical doctor, and I came and said, No, you're not, you don't have any, you know, license or certification, and you said, No, I just want to call myself a doctor, you could be in big trouble for pretending you're somebody or not. Well, unfortunately in the midwifery world, people can just say they're midwives with in some cases without any training or any ex- expertise other than maybe they went to a workshop and they read a book or not that at all. They just attended some births and they can call themselves a midwife and there's no legal repercussion to that sometimes. And so that's where you have to kind of do your research. So that's that's my caveat on on that is just that that sometimes people say they're midwives and they're not midwives. So the next category we'll get into the into the ones into the midwives that that are less ambiguous. And those uh, the next one we'll call there's our certified professional midwives or our CPM. So these are midwives that attend they have done a some kind of formal training program and or an apprenticeship program that includes hands-on requirements of minimum experience and somebody signing off on them and then also some didactic or some coursework as well too sometimes it's affiliated with even a university degree sometimes there's different there's kind of different programs and and ways you can do it but they've passed a national certification exam like a board exam and most states will also license them as well that's where you get into the kind of that weird gray area and they traditionally attend births either in a birth center or at home there are a few places in the US where they actually work in hospitals as well but mostly they're at home or in a birth center so the the next category are certified nurse midwives and in a couple of states there's actually what are called CMs as well too but For the most part, these are nurse midwives are advanced practice nurses. So they have a master's degree or a doctorate degree in nursing with a specialization in midwifery. Most nurse midwives practice in hospital settings, but they also do practice, do home birth, and they do work in birth centers as well too. In addition to kind of all the traditional... Midwifery training, they also have experience in their scope of practice is much broader. So, they nurse midwives are sort of educated and trained to be primary care providers for females between puberty through the end of life. So, they can do primary care, GYN care. They also do newborn care up to 28 days. And so, they have a little broader space. And because they work in hospitals, they also have training in inductions and additional medications. Sometimes they'll assist in surgery. They have they have a a bigger more tools in their tool belt, I guess is a good way to way to put it.
0: Great. So those are the three main ones that people probably should just keep in mind if they're deciding, you know what, maybe I want to use a midwife for my my pregnancy and birth care. And they should look into into that do their research interview interview yes <laughs> and the other the other big
1: thing is what's on paper isn't all of it you got to find somebody that's a good fit for you it's based on trust and based on you're sharing a lot of intimate details with somebody and they're you know going to see you at your most vulnerable so you you don't want somebody that you just don't really gel with ideally
0: right right oh yeah chemistry definitely is a big thing. You're, like you said, at your most vulnerable, you want to feel like you can trust that person and feel like you're on the same page. You're, you're not against anybody. So yeah, I love that. So Mary, what is the difference between a doctor and a certified nurse midwife? Because you're saying, okay, nurse midwives can, you know, they work typically in hospitals, can assist in surgery, have all these extra tools and their tool belt, but what is the difference between an OB-GYN and a midwife?
1: So there's, yeah, so there's two differences. One is just in the practice. Obviously a nurse midwife can't perform a cesarean section. We don't do forceps delivery. Most don't do vacuum, although that is a skill that can be added on. But the bigger difference is not just in, in the skills that you can do, but is in the philosophy and in the training. So, physician and you know, medical school is based on their training is a lot of in pathology and mitigating disease and fixing problems. Where midwifery education and nursing education is focused more on health and wellness. So, a good way to explain this, I, 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 in my current role, I. Often get to. I work with medical students and residents, and I get to assist and train them and teach them the midwife way to do it, do things as well. Too, one time I had this medical student. You know, we'd been working up in our in our hospitals, kind of triage area, and seeing all these different things come in. and And I work at a kind of what we call tertiary med center. We see the sickest of the sickest of moms and babies and everybody. But so he he you know pads up to my little station and he says, "So how often do you guys see?" Babies with neural tube defects. Well, the hospital I work at, we have a fetal surgery program. And so we see those babies all the time. So I say, so well, you know, here, here, we see them, you know, every day. But if you're in private practice, you may never have one your entire over the course of your entire practice, or maybe one or two, he walks off. And then about 15 minutes later, he comes back and he says, Well, so how often do you see, and he names this, you know, congenital cardiac fetal anomaly. And I said, Well, here at our hospital, we see them all the time because we're associated with a major cardiac children's hospital. But if you're in private practice, you may never see one in your entire career. And he comes back a few minutes later and he asked me some other, how often do you see some other wonky, you know, thing that just hardly ever happens? And I said the same thing. And he goes, you know, in medical school, I'm learning about everything that goes wrong, but I'm not learning anything about what goes right. And I said, bingo, <laughs> you know, that's <laughs> why you and me need to work together because my training, we encompass everything that goes right. And part of that, and that's 90% of any pregnancy, even the most high-risk pregnancy, still includes all of the normal parts of it. And when you really know normal and what happens and the nuances of that, you can identify what's not normal right away. And you don't have to always be able to fix it you need to be able to identify it and then you know refer just like if you were a primary care physician and you have somebody that starts having a crazy heart rhythm you identify it and you send them to the cardiologist and so that's very much the way midwives work with OBs obstetricians and residents spend a lot of time doing surgery they spend a lot of time caring for sick people they manage labor and midwives spend a lot of time just being in the room with somebody in labor and guiding labor and learning the nuance of, of it and when we need to kind of push things along.
0: Right. So it's kind of like, in a way, doctors maybe are trying to fix something that might not need to be fixed.
1: Sometimes, or what they're really, really good at is fixing things. But if there's nothing to fix, what do you do? <laughs> you know, so, so, so waiting
0: so, that kills them. Exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly.
1: So sometimes this is a really oversimplification, but sometimes I compare it to going to midwifery care to going to your hairdresser. So growing hair is a normal process it grows, we get it cut if we need to, you go in and do that. You know, that's kind of the same thing. Pregnancy, puberty, fertility, menopause, they're all normal body functions. They're things that are going right, not things that are going wrong. When our hair grows, when we need to poop, those are normal body functions. We don't see a doctor every time that happens. (laughs) You know, if pregnancy is kind of like your hair growing, we go, go to get our hair cut, we go to the hairdresser, you go in there, they talk about what's going on. If you go to the same person, they know your family. They give you a great blowout, and you walk out of there feeling like a million bucks. Now, that same hairdresser can also notice if there's something going on. You know, they're also looking at your scalp. They're seeing your hair. They they might be able to to give you some recommendations on changing some shampoos or things like that if they see that it's really dry. But they're also going to notice if you've got something serious going on, do you need to go see a dermatologist now? Is there something else happening you know, that you need to go, out, go to? And they're going to identify that and send you to the right person. But if you need your haircut, you're not going to go to the dermatologist to get your haircut because you're not going to go out feeling like a million bucks. <laughs> you know, they might address your,
0: they might check your moles, but they're not going to do all the other things, you know? So that's, everything has its role. If dermatologists, though, have been advertising, but I will cut your hair. And how great is it that I can also check for your moles <laughs> and whatever? I mean, that's where I think people have forgotten that, oh my goodness, there is this whole other practice that can take care of me and my just wellness, my overall well being, my baby's well being, rather than going straight to, a physician, so that's why I'm. I feel like a hairdresser. Yeah, people are like, well, of course I'm not going to do that. But if the other is advertising that it's oh, it's better and safer and and faster and what more enjoyable, I don't know. Is that why we've lost some footing on this? I think maybe. Well, and I think the other thing is is that what menwives
1: do and what physicians do, there's some crossover there but there really is so much that's very distinct. And I think we're starting to make inroads in realizing that we don't have to have turf wars. You know, like we we don't have to fight and argue for the same people. We can actually work together and if we work together, we can do the things that we each do best and not do the things that we don't don't do well. And this that's just I mean that's just like healthcare and really life 101 work to your strengths and to the top of what you can do and 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 let other people do the other stuff. You don't have to be every person. That's a good tip for moms too. <laughs> you don't you don't
0: have to do all of the things. I love that. That's so great. Okay, so if someone's listening to this and they're like, "Wow, I had no idea. Where can women get midwifery care? Where where can they find this?" Oh my gosh.
1: So midwives are all over the place, but we're kind of like the best kept secret, I think, sometimes that really shouldn't be. So midwives practice across spectrums, and they're, they're used very differently. So so if you want to, you can pay high dollar for kind of a concierge midwifery experience, either out of a hospital or in a birth center or at home, or a lot of midwives work in public health clinics and in hospital-based practices. And so really midwives are all over the place they work in in high-risk practice, but sometimes they just can be hard to find. I think more so on the hospital side of things. often they're kept in the wings and kind of in quiet. It depends really on where you are in the country too. It's very regional. if you're in the northeast and the Northwest, Midwifery care is pretty easy most of the time. If you're in the southeast and the South, and it's sometimes a little bit more challenging.
0: okay. so when when you have found, the midwife that you're, you're looking for, but maybe you're just trying to decide, oh, do I want a midwife in the hospital? Do I want a birth center birth? Do I want a home birth? Can you explain what a woman can expect that care to look like in each setting? Yeah.
1: So depending, so let's say you think you want a home birth or you think you, you know, where you want and you've interviewed your midwife and you've, you've, you've picked something out. The biggest thing is of course, good fit and whether you're a candidate for a community birth, sometimes called an out of hospital birth, but we like the word community birth a little bit better (laughs) versus an in-hospital birth, you know? So if you have significant risk factors you've had preterm babies or you've you've got high blood pressure from the get go or diabetes your best bet is generally going to be with somebody in the hospital but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're not going to be able to co-work with the midwife sometimes so let's say you're at home Your prenatal care for most cases at home is either going to take place in your own home and the midwife will come to you or the midwife might have a clinic that she does a lot of her prenatal visits at, although usually there's one or two that will happen at their house so that they can see, you know, know how to get there is a big deal. You don't want your midwife coming to your birth and have never been there before and have, you know, GPS not work. That's not going to be a great scenario, (laughs) right? And also, so they know where things are, So they're familiar where stuff is, they know what the setup is, they can see if they need to get anything else, or they need you to do anything else to get ready, and they can make sure you've got all your supplies. And then, you know, and then you're, you know, you give birth at home, and then the midwife will come back and check on you, usually a couple times over the next, the course of the next days, and then may or may not have all your postpartum visits, either at home or, you know, maybe those later ones at the clinic, if they have a clinic as well, too. At home, most of the time for home births, families will need to buy some of the birth supplies. So often the midwife will say, hey, these are the things you need to get because we're not going to, you know, chucks pads and, and things like that. So they may have a kit, you may rent a tub, but the midwife will then bring the emergency supplies and oxygen and some of the, the kind of other s- stuff that, that needs to be, be there. In birth centers, the care is a little bit similar, although... Most of the time at the birth center, you know, you're going to be coming to the birth center for your for your clinic. Usually the birth center will have sort of a separate clinic area and maybe a separate birthing area, depending on the size. You come and you check in during labor and you'll have your own birth, usually a birth suite that has a bathroom with it and usually a nice tub. And they may have more tricks available. So you're more likely to have access to maybe nitrous oxide or some birth slings or different types of balls and kind of all of the other all of the other things that are hard to fit in a car (laughs) uh, (laughs) or to have at your house. And they'll have, you know, emergency equipment as well, too. And at birth centers, one of the difference often, the bigger differences between birth centers is home is most birth centers will have a relationship with their emergency medical, the the EMS teams and maybe the hospital. And so if there's a need to transfer and those, those needs are very small, there's usually kind of a a plan for that. And maybe they already know the people. And so they can kind of organize that and even sometimes practice that for drills, where at home, it's a little bit harder to do that just because every time it looks a little bit different. But again, those are few and far between. And then of course, we talked a little bit more about what happens at the hospital, you know, you can have epidurals and inductions, they work and in hospitals, you know, some midwives work side by side with your high risk physicians and they may manage the normal parts of your, you know, they may manage your labor and catch your baby and do all that kind of stuff. And they work with the, high risk physicians who work on the, the problems that's kind of the, the difference that was I'm so so wordy I'm sorry. Oh no,
0: this, <laughs> this is fantastic. I love that you're so wordy and in depth because for people who don't know this stuff it's it's important to really get that visual of what they can expect. So I I certainly appreciate it cuz I'm familiar with all of this but I I'm a birth worker and to hear about it from an actual midwife who's been doing this for years, it's special. So I love this. This is fantastic. So no worries. Okay. So, and s- saying all of that, <laughs> Mary, what made you decide, you know, oh, what? I need to be a midwife. <laughs> how, did, how did this happen? I, I yes. just love not
1: sleeping. No. <laughs> so I, I'm a, a third of four kids and myself and my younger brother were both born at home. And my older siblings were born in hospitals, but there wasn't anything particularly, you know, exciting or traumatic or dramatic, you know. And so we we I grew up with birth being just like a totally normal thing. And my mom, I think she had maybe had spiritual midwifery, although she wasn't a hippy dippy. So it, it sometimes it little shocks me a little bit. But we we did have a photo album of like my younger brother being born with all of the pictures that was just like, we would, we would look at, you know, just, it was amazing, but it was just like totally a normal thing. So going in, I was an uh, kind of artsy fartsy kid and went, you know, had grand ideas after I finished high school to do costume design and, and was pursuing that. And at some point I was like, I don't know if I want to do this forever. And when I was about 20 years old, I read, there's a novel called Midwives. And it's, I'm probably the only person that read that book. It's a a great book, but it's a little bit, it's kind of about a bad circumstance and a trial and set through the eyes of this girl. But I'm probably the only person that read that and thought, oh my God, this is me. (laughs) I love that. And then, you know, started asking my mom questions and learning more about, and, and, and she just like opened up and told, you know, told about her experience and how really having me, you know, at home changed her as a person. And, you know, she really kind of found her voice in many ways on things that was, that was pretty incredible. And also kind of learning like, wow, my mom was sort of a, you know, a rebel (laughs) who is not how I ever imagined my mom, but then started exploring types of midwives and what kind of midwife do I want to be and how, what route do I want to go? I lived. I was fortunate. I lived in Tennessee at this time near Nashville. And so I actually went to workshops at the farm and worked with Pamela Hunt down there and did stuff there. And then I went to nursing school and long story short, here I am a zillion years later stop <laughs> as a nurse, nurse midwife. Yeah. But as my mom, I think when I graduated with my midwifery degree, my mom said something like, that's the longest course of college ever or something like <laughs> that. And you know, I was like, well, we did it, you know, like we, just because I worked the whole time and I, and I took many, many stints in pediatrics and emergency medicine and, you know, did all of the things cause I had to pay
0: my way to get through all of it. And and here, here we are years later and then,
1: and then working for many years too.
0: And I love it. We are so fortunate to have you in our community. So I'm grateful for everything that you've gone through, for all the moms who get to benefit from all of that hard work. That's amazing. I love your story. So why do you think it's important, Mary, for, for women to learn about midwives? So first
1: of all, I think that everybody needs a midwife. Not even necessarily women. I think dads benefit from midwives, men, but any everybody needs a midwife or somebody to midwife them. And not all midwifery looks the same. I think there's a. I am a huge believer that there is a place for midwifery in every situation. And I'll give another kind of client story. One time I was at the hospital and I had a mom come in. It was the first time I'd met her. And she was with seeing our high risk doctors and she came in for something that was just very, one of those normal discomforts of pregnancy, low back pain or something like that. And there wasn't anything the matter, you know, and and so we were talking, I said, this is just normal discomforts of pregnancy, which I, sometimes that drives me nuts because it seems like it minimizes stuff, but, but this, what you're experiencing isn't anything Wrong or bad. This is normal. And she looked at me and she said, "I am so glad to just hear something is normal because nothing has been normal this entire pregnancy." And it just kind of broke my heart because the reality is, is so much stuff had been normal. Almost everything had been normal, but one thing—you know, one little thing—had not been normal, and that had become the focus of everything. And so. I think that mid, there's a place for midwifery in all, in every pregnancy. And whether they're providing your clinical care or whether they're working with you to do all of the other stuff, I, th- I think that's where we need to, you know, we really need to grow as a profession and in our collaboration is working in those circumstances as well.
0: Yeah. Oh, I love that. So wh- what do you think all pregnant women need to know? Saying everything that you've said, what do, what do pregnant women <laughs> need to know?
1: <laughs> oh gosh, I could say a thousand things. Well, <laughs> pregnancy
0: pregnancy is
1: not a problem. It is evidence that your body is doing something right. You know that's that's the first first part of it, and that pregnancy and we focus so much on pregnancy and the act of labor and the baby coming out. And that is like, it's not the finish line. That's really the starting block to everything that comes after. And getting that sort of strong start launches families afterwards. And so, birth is really pivotal and it sets people up for what comes next. So, sometimes we focus so much attention on it, though, that it becomes everything else. And then, postpartum hits and there's no plan. And so we really need to give as much attention. I want moms to give as much attention to what comes after birth and their postpartum plan as to you do to your birth plan. So that's one thing is that like the other is you can't control it. You know, like put yourself in the best position you can. I tell people, my moms all the time that most of it isn't rocket science and our, and our body is going to just do with it. And we just have to, if we treat our bodies well, they do pretty good, you know, and most of the things that fix everything in our normal day life, like eating a couple fruits and vegetables, taking a walk around the block, drinking more water and getting a nap, usually fix a lot of the things in pregnancy as well too. And, you know, And they're just, they're just very basic. And so if you start by giving yourself a good foundation, you set yourself up. For what's to come, and then when it does come to birthday, you just have to kind of roll with it and let let happen what happens, and just kind of roll with what the birth gods give you that day, and then have a and then have that plan for afterwards. The other thing is babies need mostly like some love and something to eat, and most everything else comes optional. <laughs> so sometimes we sp- focus so much on all of the things. But we don't focus on the relationships and how to find our voice. And people will often say, I don't want my my in-laws to be there when I'm in labor. Will you not tell them I'm here? And I think, I'm not calling anybody. (laughs) (laughs) if you don't want them here, don't tell them you're here. Or, or, and sometimes if you don't feel like you can say that, you know, tell them you're coming a different day (laughs) and, you know, Oh, my induction is scheduled for Saturday, but really it's Thursday or something like that. If, 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 if if it's going to be a problem, but, but really, I mean, this is your, especially on a first baby, this is your training for being a parent and having to make some of those hard decisions and doing what's right for you and your, your family. And so, it's good practice for what comes after that and focus on those relationships and strengthening yourself and then the other stuff will fall in line.
0: Mary, this was awesome. You're so good. You're just so great. I love this. And I'm sure everyone who's listening probably agrees. <laughs> so where can our listeners go to learn more about you and your services?
1: I am launching myself and and my co-founder Jessica Gonzalez who's a doula in and admin extraordinaire. We are launching a new birth center in Houston. It's called Heart of Houston Birth and Wellness Center. And All these things that I'm talking about, we're trying to do. So it's really kind of at the heart of what we're doing. So not only are we going to have services, you know, birth center services and midwifery services for clients that want to give birth with us, we are also developing programs to partner with people that won't be giving birth with us that for, you know, they don't, they don't want to, they can't, you know, but to be able to really access that midwifery care and access that community support. We're also partnering with lactation and pelvic floor physical therapy and dietitians and mental health and nurse coaches and kind of the list goes on to have real collaboration physicians, you know, real collaboration. And we're already getting all these people in the same room, all these professionals in the same room together, which is kind of a doesn't really happen very much. If you know what I'm talking about, Yeah, <laughs> you know, Dan, <laughs> you know, your chiropractors and your physicians and your nurse coach and your doulas and your PT and everybody in the same room talking about what we see the needs are, what we're hearing and feedback and how can we best, you know, make this happen and have people walk away. Cause you know, the goal at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how the baby comes out, you know, whether it's a scheduled planned C-section, whether it's the most crunchy granola, you know, humming with the dolphins, you know, natural birth. <laughs> At the end of the day, when, you know, that mom gets to hold that hot, wet, sticky, slimy baby to her chest, the goal is that she says, I did it and be proud because that's really what, that's really what matters. And then she can walk, they can walk away from that and be ready to tackle anything that comes after it.
0: I love it. So what is, uh, is there a website or something that they can go oh, to? Oh, yeah, the other important information. Yeah, <laughs> where can they go?
1: So <laughs> it's www.heartofhoustonbirth.com, or you can just Google Heart of Houston Birth and Wellness Center. We are just outside the med center, and we are in the middle of accepting new clients to for birth. Exciting. Wow.
0: Oh my goodness. Mary, thank you so much for joining us today. I just, I really feel that the majority of people don't understand the role of midwives and the training that they have and everything that you all do. So I really appreciate your time and your in-depth answers. This was phenomenal. And this information gives our listeners a much better, better understanding of what I feel is an amazing practice. So thank you again. You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And for all of our listeners to learn more about Mary, like she said, and to be able to reach out to her, visit her website, www.heartofhoustonbirth.com or visit her on Instagram at heartofhoustonbirth. Our team will be posting today's episode on our baby chick Facebook page. So if you have any questions about midwives or have stories about using a midwife yourself, we'd love to read them and address them in the comments. And as always, if you haven't already, please subscribe. To Chip Chat, the Baby Chip Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. Have a great week, friends, and happy birthing.